This is an irreverent podcast. Check out irreverent.fm for shows from all our friends. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to an Irreverent podcast. Check out irreverent.fm for more content from all our friends. Hello and welcome to Exvangelical. I'm your host, Boyd Chastain. My guests this week are Kevin Garcia and Reverend Sarah Heath, who you may know better as your favorite aunts. Your Favorite Ants is another member show of a Reverend Media Group, and I was on their most recent episode, which I'll link to in the show notes. This was a really fun conversation, and it was the closest experience I've had since before the pandemic began of being at a party and peeling off from the main group and having a really meaningful side conversation. We talk about why they started their show, how the pandemic has affected their work and the work of caretakers of all kinds, including pastors, as well as how things like community and spiritual care will continue to change in light of the pandemic, which is raging once again. Everyone who's listening, if you're eligible to get vaccinated and haven't yet, please go get vaccinated. This episode has very sparse editing, and I hope you enjoy the flow of the conversation. Be sure to follow Kevin and Sarah online and check out your favorite ants wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to support my work, you can do so by purchasing a paid subscription to the Post-Evangelical Post newsletter at postevangelicalpost.com. That supports all of my work, from writing to this podcast to powers and principalities and future projects. I've been working on revamping the newsletter in the background for some time, and we'll have some news on that very soon. Free tiers are also available. You can also support the show by purchasing podcast merch over at exvangelical.threadless.com. There are t-shirts, stickers, journals, and more available there. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts or just letting someone else know about the show. You can follow me all over the internet at brchastain on Twitter, at brchastain underscore on Instagram and TikTok, and you can follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook at Pod. All right, let's get into it. So it look like it's recording for everybody, and then I'll do yeah, the dude. actual Yeah, intro. showing my voice. Right. Coming back to the heart I tried, of worship. I tried to use the... Let me see if this actually works. I don't know if it will. Oh, hey. Look at That's, us. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to Exvangelical. I have with me today on the show two fellow members from the Irreverent Media Group, Kevin Garcia and Reverend Sarah Heath, also known as your favorite aunts. Welcome yes. to the show. Sump Beach. It's so good to be here. Oh, that my God. <laughs> well, thank you both for coming on the show. We just finished wrapping your show, uh, your mm-hmm. favorite aunts, and I was on it. Truly it was just, fun. truly yeah. just, I feel like I'm really, in, I love a podcast. It's just a chat cast and that's what we've achieved. That's like, right. it's just we like, do. we're just talking about important shit that we find interesting. That's right. And people weigh in. And then like the weirdest thing for me is when people comment to us, like that podcast has meant so much to me. I'm like, oh, awesome. That's like a benefit of it. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I'm as always long as surprised. You, if you, if you truly love our podcast shared on social media. Please. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Really. It's still, it's still in the year of our Lord, 2021, the best way to get the word out about a podcast. Cause podcasts well, are still like, like the, like, like the least <laughs> sought out piece of media, you know, it's like there's no algorithm that's really like driving engagement for podcasts. It's oh just, my God. A podcast <laughs> algorithm. Like, could you it's imagine? It's just math, I mean, not magic. Remember that, Blake. <laughs> it really That's is right. just. It, mm. But the, I mean, math is kind of magical too. But to me, it is absolutely magical, and there are little gnomes I, who do it. 
but I am really bad at math. So. Gnomes. <laughs> Wait, gnomes? Yeah, because I math can't gnomes. figure it out. Math gnomes. You don't know about the gnomes. I missed something in this exchange, but we're gonna keep going. I just, I just, I just went with it. I, was, I wish anyone could see my face in that moment because I everyone I was can yes hear your face, honey. <laughs> they can hear. can hear your face. Often, I hear your face when wow. I'm not even near you. I can Listen, hear your face, and, and that's shade. <laughs> yeah, I just meant like little people who figure out math because I'm terrible at it. That's all I meant. I was trying to be cute, and now you've, like, pointed it out. Anyway, why are you having us on the show, Blake? Because we're just going to fight. I'm just kidding. That's not true. No, it's great. This is great. So, Kevin, you and I actually uh, were on each other's shows back when we were both sort of starting out and figuring out what the hell we were doing with podcasting. Yeah, I had my interview with you, like, right after my big breakup, and I was staying at my friend Rachel's house. Oh, my gosh. (gasps) Oh, those were dark times. (laughs) Oh, and uh i mean i think it was like episode 12 of this show and now it's in like episode 150 or something Mm -hmm. so uh so and then and then i actually met you sarah through kevin that's true Um, yeah and so i'm curious well let's just start by how did the two of you meet and then then Whichever one of you want to talk about why you decided to start recording your shows, your conversations, rather, mm-hmm. and making it a show. Yeah. So uh, where did where did Kevin and Sarah, where does the story of Kevin and Sarah begin? Where did we meet? Tale is old as time. Well, I was stuck in this castle. I had this really, really rare disease that was called greed and avarice, and it actually... Well, it's not so I much a disease. It was books. Yeah, and I was <laughs> cursed by this witch because I was an asshole to her. Long, really weird thing. Long story short, once we escaped France, we had this furry phase for a little bit. And yeah, then, um, we separated. Um, I died, and then was reincarnated into what you now see as this form. Now they are here. And then no, uh, we wild met goose. at wild goose. Yeah, we met at wild goose. And I love when you tell the story because you tell it so well. But. Oh, like I was just—I went to your t- your tent by accident, not by accident, but just like technically, I was gonna go see Brandon Robertson talk about something, but his plane didn't arrive on time, and so I was just like, "Well, I'll just I'll keep going, see who this is. And that person looks interesting. I'll go to her talk." Filled up to the brim, there was no seat except for a seat on the front fucking row, um, which being a show off, like you know, whatever. Um, oh, okay. And- First of all, I didn't know anybody, but keep going. Yeah, and so I went, and I sat down, and I thought she gave a really good talk, and then I said, I'd like to be your friend, and then we went to the beer tent, and that was that. Seriously, that Mm -hmm. was literally it. It was one of the first times, it was the weirdest thing where someone walked up and said, I want to be your friend, and I was like, yeah. (laughs) And I still have, like, the card you gave me, because I was, like, so fascinated by what you were doing. Oh, my God, I did. I had business cards. Mm -hmm. What a fucking... It said hot mess on it. It says hot mess on it. I kept it. Oh, yes. <laughs> the original the yellow ones. Yeah, they were cute. Uh-uh. And Stop. Sorry, I remember, keep going. My it's not me that he's yelling at it. It's his dog. Um, not this, that, not that bitch, this bitch. Um, and so we, I think one of the coolest thing was you were sharing what you were doing. And I actually said to you, it sounds like you're starting a tiny revolution. And that's And that's when... birthed the podcast, A Tiny Revolution with Kevin Garcia. Yeah. Ta-da. So, it's been so fun. Uh, our friendship has grown. Um, I think we've always been close, but I think for us in the time of COVID, I went through a breakup right before COVID. Um, and mm-hmm. so um, having a friend that is like a soulmate in so many ways and someone who I begin and end most of my days with um, has been really, I would say, one of the most profound parts for me of COVID isolation and mm. having just, and as I transitioned out of being a local pastor, there was just this person. And so that's how we, we started. And we have just been like, I can't like Kevin just is part of my life and just is part of me. Um, I often feel like once people meet Kevin, they go, Oh, <laughs> like they get more of me in a weird way. So <laughs> that's because I, 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 I give you enough of my annoying, like, ow, stop dog. I love you so much. She bites so hard sometimes. Not me again. 
Not Sorry, me again. No. The dog. <laughs> Not me biting my friend's f- fingers again. Um, I'm into it. What? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Sometimes I weird myself um, out. Like I try to play in the game and then I weird myself out. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy, good Judy's. Good Judy's. The bestest <laughs> of Judy's. And yeah. I was so like, when you first, so Blake, like when uh, Kevin was like, we should talk to this person and maybe we'll do this thing together. It's the you, do you have friends in your life where if they say you should know this person, it has always been an incredibly enriching experience. Um, and that's how you know that that other person knows you super well and knows like your passions and that sort of thing. Like if Kevin says you will like this person, it has 100% always been true. Oh. That's because I um, I'm a very good judge of character. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you, <laughs> you surround yourself with people that help. Yes. Um, elevate who you are instead of just, and mm-hmm. I think it's a, a rarity where and it, I, it has to be mutually beneficial. Like I don't want mm-hmm. a relationship to be, it could, because like, if you're like, if you're paying me, that's a client, you know, cl- uh, uh, client coach relationship. Like that is a one way relationship in some ways, like, you know, or it's like mm-hmm. an ex- the, the, the energy exchange is different. Like, you know, right. I'm pouring out energy. You are helping me pay my bills. It's different. Right. Uh, but then, like in all of my other relationships, um, I look for things that are mutually beneficial, and I also look for: am I having fun? Yeah, and, yeah. There's that reciprocity that you need. To yeah, have. and if I'm not having fun, and if this is annoying, and if we're not good for each other, then why are we doing it? Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's always my my thing with all of my friends. Just like I will do this as long as it is fun. And, so that's why I just have to maintain fun all the time. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that's why you need to maintain being your own damn self. Yeah. And that's because that to me is fun. Yeah. Like, cause that's like, that's the heart of it all. Mm-hmm. I think I've gone from like silly drunk to very s- semi-serious drunk now. Oh, you we know? made the transition. That's the, I we've, love made, that into, we've, we've made the turn into philosopher. I love drink. that corner. Uh, just imagine that that this is a this is the period of the party with Kevin where you're talking with them, you know, Hour probably two. wherever the drinks were being served, mm-hmm. and then you found a quiet corner. Yes. <laughs> and now, I'm by now the food table. A... <laughs> yeah. I'm holding I'm holding on to my vape and just like looking at you intently and moving and like the camera's going out of focus. Also, <laughs> the camera knows. <laughs> the camera knows. <laughs> It's so funny because these are often the moments where um, Kevin won't put up with any of the lies I tell myself. So I'll be like, Oh, I never, I can never ever put up. Like, it's so interesting to me. Like, you know, it's like lie to God, don't lie to yourself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll be like, I think this is how I'm always going to be. And Kevin, during these moments, will say, No, <laughs> why would you even say that? It's just like, it's, it, that's the thing. It's just like, I, it's like I see in you like there's like limitless potential. I'm just like, <sighs> like you're not an idiot. Stop acting like it. You <laughs> know, you know this shit. Needs this friend, everyone needs this friend at a party. I know. Everyone. Like right. that's that's the thing. It's just like I like that's why I'm a coach and not a therapist because I can say things like stop acting stop like it. an idiot. <laughs> you're being you're being a dick. Quit. All right. Yeah. Kevin, now, granted, that's like, a really good like, point. What's the that's a I'm really curious about that. What's the what is the distinction um, between mm. a coach relationship and a therapist? I'm sure that in addition yeah. to to different things relative mm. to credentials that you might need, you might need for either or. But mm-hmm. what's the difference in the relationship? The difference in relationship is um, obviously different kinds of credentials and also diff- the, the goals are different. In typical... Uh, and a typical like psychotherapy relate like therapist client relationship with a trained mm-hmm. psychotherapist, your whole goal is I want to, I want, I'm trying to work on myself to feel better, to understand my emotions a lot better and to be able to love and accept those parts of me. And then also to like work through big things like trauma and, you know, the, you know, you are so special to me. <laughs> Now of all times, you're choosing to make all the noise. Um, with a um, so a therapist, I will say like they're trying to lead you back to yourself in some ways, and, and like, mm-hmm. but it's like it feels like for me, it's to do the deep. 
I don't know. It's more like they, they're the ones who are holding the larger emotional space for the things mm-hmm. that need space. Like grief mm-hmm. needs mm-hmm. a lot of space. Life yeah. transition needs a lot of space. Sadness needs a lot of space. My role as a coach and what I do specifically is I work with people to teach them specific spiritual practices to help take all the shit you're learning in therapy, all the yes. emotional yes. stuff, and put it into practice. And we take all of the thing, like, you know, like all the emotional intelligences that you know uh, cognitively, and we put them into an embodied practice so that you can start feeling better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I specifically work with a particular curriculum. Um, and so when people are working with me, we have a specific goal in mind. Right. And typically, I think in therapy, it's a little bit more open-ended. And for me, I'm just like, by the end of this 12 weeks, I'm going to teach you to how to have a spiritual practice. And if you take me up seriously, your spiritual practice will change your entire life. Hmm. And so that's my, that's my work. As I kind of like, uh, especially I work with like um, uh, ex-Christians or former Christians or post-Christians or anybody like within the Christian periphery who is trying to figure out how to do spiritual, spirituality outside of strict Christianity. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. Yeah. I'm also uh, currently applying to uh, to be certified as a sex educator. Oh. It's not like the thing that is so incredible to me is that the way that people um, are able to find that they don't need just a therapist. Um, therapists are great, wonderful, but there really is sort of this structure thing around it. And they also don't just need a coach. I think these two mm-hmm. things go really well together. Um, and I think I understanding the difference in goal so uh, is, is super important. I know that our dear friend Matthias and I, one time we're talking about this idea of coaching and we were talking about how, you know, it's, it's really beautiful to see people doing it in a way that um, highlights the need for therapy. So, so many of our friends, when they're mm-hmm. being really responsible within coaching, will say, um, and have you talked to your therapist about that? Because I am not a therapist. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't actually work with anybody who has not actually gone to therapy. Yes. Or is it like, I love that about you. Yeah. It's like, if you're in, like, it's like, if you're in therapy, that's good. I want to know how long you've been in. How's your relationship? What are you working on? As a pastor, and- I wish that could have been a rule when I was a pastor. Like you, <laughs> we cannot be in community unless you are in therapy. <laughs> No, but, it but seems like, like it'd be a good role. <laughs> I mean, like I think that anybody who is responsible enough, like you, just recognize. I mean, the thing I think that's been so wonderful is that, like, the work I do is a lot of like. I feel like we're learning how to destigmatize that, like the need for help, right? Mm-hmm. And like understanding that, like, we're we're so ashamed because like we've been taught that it's our fault, and it's not. Most right. of the things that like mm-hmm. happened to us, especially those of us who left evangelicalism, who grew up in any sort of sexism, patriarchal, heterosexist culture, I don't know, like America. All of us. Heard of it? <laughs> all of us, yes. Um, we're all carrying around this like thing of you're bad, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. Even if you didn't explicitly learn that, you learned right. you were not enough because capitalism taught us that you're only worth a labor which other people deem as valuable. And if they don't deem it as valuable, then you're not valuable. And then you can see how easily that translates into what the church learned and operated. And um, throw those headphones. Um, I did just throw my headphones because I just got really excited, guys. (laughs) But yeah, I think think for me, like that was like a really big game changer was like recognizing how much, how much capitalism and, and white supremacy really stole from like a really rich faith and a yeah, really like, I don't rich know tradition. If you know much about that as someone who has a podcast all about <laughs> just powers anyway, and principalities. You haven't heard of it. <laughs> Listen, he probably yeah. can do, he can promote his shit on his own time. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> you are such a trash human. I'm a, I'm a, I am the, I'm not the, the worst, but I'm the worst. I'm not the worst, but I'm certainly not great either. <laughs> <laughs> we 
which is our motto. All right, let's. Your favorite ants. <laughs> not we're the not worst. The best. <laughs> we're not the worst, but we're certainly not the best. <laughs> <laughs> we're not the worst, but we're certainly not good. And we need to destigmatize yeah. not being the worst, but also. Yeah, you, Mary Oliver, you don't have to be good. <laughs> <laughs> and we aren't. We don't try to I don't, to I don't even try. <laughs> Not even a little bit. And that's the part oh in the gosh. slippery slope conversation where they say, look, right there, like, look at this heathen. Beer in one hand, weed vape in the other. Just That's you, baby. I actually want to, uh, Sarah, I want to ask you a little bit. Just sort of, yeah. we, we, we had talked a bit about how uh, there's this distinction between the practical work that Kevin does as as a coach and other mm-hmm. people that are in that sort of space and offer those types of services. And then there's therapists on um, who provide a different type of service. Then I think about the type of work that you just left as a mm-hmm. pastor. And the modern pastor, like the sort of model of a pastor that we've had for a long time, has been this like person that does it all, right? Like right. you right. may be called upon to do individual counseling and uh, mm-hmm. run like some sort of committee meetings and also mm-hmm. deal with the maintenance of a building and right. do premarital counseling and right. keep all the secrets and keep and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I have so many listen secrets. to all these things. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, in light of your experience as uh, being a pastor, like how do you how do you sort of relate to, and what do you think about, um, especially in the sort of environment that that we're in, like post COVID, where everybody, like an entire society, an entire global society, has gone through this thing, like even at a base level, and then everybody else has additional traumas based on their place in society. Um, right. Like what what do you make of of that from your experience of having to wear so many hats and address so many needs. You know, it's fascinating. I'm so interested to see what's going to happen with mainline um, and also evangelical churches within America after, you know, as things kind of shake out and they're starting to shake out. Um, we are seeing numbers of clergy leaving more than we've ever seen because everybody has, has told clergy they have to be everything and it's impossible. And I think, more and more realizing like clergy really should play this role in helping people honestly with spiritual practices and not be your counselor uh, and not be uh, your program director and not be. And maybe your... not even be the teacher at the front of the, on the pulpit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is this, I've been doing this um, work around making spaces and thinking through like even consulting pastors and all these sort of uh, not just like the physical space, but also for people to think through um, what does it look like to create space, realizing that there's this thing that happened and um, someone named it the death of the expert. So when we moved into sort of this digital age that we're all in, there is no longer like that. Think about a, a stereo, like a, a church from back in the day. Everyone is, and, and now most churches, everyone's facing forward, looking at one person. That one person is the keeper of the knowledge. Then they tell everyone the, like how you should live your life, guys, how you should live your life. And I just listened to a Jerry Falwell um, Jr. podcast and uh, about sort of the destruction of this mm-hmm. person who was trying so hard to, I'm supposed to be the keeper of the knowledge, right? And so- Everyone's listening. What is the keeper of the knowledge going to say? So that made sense uh, back when maybe your pastor was the only one who could read the scripture. It doesn't make sense in a culture and community when people trust their phones. They can look things up. They can Google. They can do all mm-hmm. these things quicker. They can do the things that they so often look to a pastor to do. So there is no mm-hmm. longer an expert. We've had a death of an expert. So when we talk about mm. that, clergy who have been told you're supposed to be the expert there is this sense of, I can't be all things to all people. I'm not Paul. Uh, never wanted to be. Um, and I think there uh. is this, <laughs> and it's a false narrative, right? Uh, we make people t- out to be superheroes, and then they do really shitty things. Um, because We make been people put on a into God, and then we're surprised that they're not. And that yeah. they're terrible. Uh, and they're not terrible. They're just human. And I think... I One of the things I would love to do is help people figure out how for us to make space for each other, including the clergy in our midst. 
for them to be the person who has, yes, had this amazing opportunity to be set aside to work on spiritual practices with people, to create space for people to do that. And we are not expecting them to be all things. So when I met with couples and when I still meet with couples, because I still do weddings all the time, because they're one of my favorite things to do. Um, weirdly, weddings and funerals, guys, I love them. Uh, I, I love to meet with them and I say, look, I'm just going to, I'm going to do this premarital, um, like thing with you where all you're going to do is fill out the survey for me. And all it's going to do is help highlight the spaces that you can start in therapy with. I will not marry you if things are highlighted that you're not actively in therapy about. If things aren't highlighted, fine, great. But as a couple, if I see these things and that's all I do. And I say, I am not, even though I have a degree in psychology, I have studied countless hours of um, pastoral counseling. I'm not a therapist and you guys need a therapist. We all Mm -hmm. need to understand that we have community for a reason to help, you know, bolster everyone. And we got to stop looking to one expert to be the thing and be all the things. And we don't have the systems. I think like what you're talking about is that the fact that the systems haven't changed. It made mm-hmm. sense when you lived in a tiny community. Yeah. So they were maybe at a maximum dealing with 50 people's stories. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But they also knew your spouse. They knew every person in your, and so the work they were doing, you know, I watch all these British TV shows where they're, uh, the, the vicar is in the town and like, uh, but they, you know, they have all the resources because it was, again, it wasn't, they were the expert. They just were in touch with the people right. around. And so I think as I watch, and the church was loaded too, like the church was yeah. loaded and they could, they could, essentially tax people and there was so much money and now and now pastors are also asked to be fundraisers so imagine when you're trying to talk truth to power but you're worried that if you speak truth to power the people that hold the purse strings that are sitting with you if they don't like your message they pull their money out and now you've got that as well as something sitting on top of you and you're looking as you're speaking at the three people that you know are in major trauma and you're not allowed to talk about it with anyone. I think there is this huge conversation to be had about actual pastors. And I'm talking, there's a difference between a speaker who just goes up there, doesn't know the people is not invested in their lives and the people who are pastoring people because it is very different. And we talk about it's the same. It is a huge fucking difference because the problem is, is like what we see, People hear pastor, they think Hillsong, they think Bethel, mm-hmm. they think white, Who athlete, male. have doors in and out so they don't have to address or be near the people. Mm-hmm. Hello. And That's again. That's not a pastor. That is a teacher. That is a motivational yeah, speaker, teaching pastor. You know, that's the, yeah, the and that's fine if you want if you want to call sure, it that. If you but just give like them that title. But the, but then at the end of the day, I'm just like, I don't think you should even call that a pastor. You know. It's a it's and a so, very weird thing that has happened. And I think, I mean, your work, so much of your work, like I am so grateful for because it helps people kind of get into Contextualize once, it all. Yes. And they start to go, oh, <clears throat> that leads to this, which leads to this. And this is how we got here. It's all but connected. Think, it all makes sense. <laughs> but I think we're yeah, here. I mean, that's, that's, um, that, I mean, that's that's my that's how I see my role is like right. Is is giving people context for their experience in this place as they move to the next one, mm-hmm. and that like early stage, and then maybe Kevin is like, after someone's made sense of what that means for them, then Kevin can I've, come in and I, and give them practices. Mm-hmm. And Anyways, I, I'm sorry, you know, <laughs> no, 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 I was just thinking through like as I've been working through my own time since leaving my position, which by the way, my church was great. It wasn't a, it wasn't a difficult breakup. It wasn't, you know, Kevin actually was at my last service. It wasn't a breakup. It wasn't a breakup. It was you stepped down. You Right. Yeah. Retired is our joke. (laughs) Um, But part of it is that. Call AARP. That's right. (laughs) Part of it is I think as we talk about these deconstruction spaces, as we talk about these ex-angelical spaces, there is so much goodness of people connecting and creating community, but there are so many clergy who are left as bodies in the wake that Mm -hmm. um, not only were they spoon fed the same stuff, but then they realized they were the ones spitting it out and Mm. they are um, 
you know, so often I see all these memes and stuff and there's, and I want to say there are people behind that joke that you're making. There are people behind that experience and they got here in the same damn boat as you did. And they were sold the same damn thing. And like, look, I get it. The number of times I've had to go to a conference and hear some guy talk about a super hot wife, like I get, but we're all swimming in the same soup friends. And until we recognize that it is just as damaging for the person who's sitting in the front as it is for the person sitting in the back. Um, I think we dehumanize mm-hmm. and we continue to do it. And so I think it's, as I sit now as more of an observer, it's interesting to me how my brain is starting to go, oh, we need, you know, I joke around with uh, Justin, who used to be a pastor as well, um, that from Go Home Bible, you're drunk, uh, that, you know, we re- really need like, like, people need to be in rev recovery, like people who are pastors, because mm-hmm. it's almost like this experience of like, I believed it so much that I started to sell it. Mm-hmm. And now I can't even go into the places and spaces where other people are healing because I am seen as the extreme other, you know, mm-hmm. I am seen as the thing they're poking at. I right. gave my because whole you... life to this thing. Oh, yeah. okay. Because your can trauma, I, your trauma, I... and their trauma are like butting heads, right? And like, yeah, right. And like, so and yeah. Even though there's and like neither a, there are wrong, a, right? And there's right. and even though there's like a power power dynamic that needs to be analyzed from each person, each right. person's perspective. Mm-hmm. It's it's still a human mm-hmm. uh, that exercise that power. Yeah, like, it's really also... complicated. Super. And also, it's not complicated because, if I may, you I would may, like always. to posit the idea that <clears throat> if we actually point out, like, it's it, we, not to jump back to our last conversation, but it kind of comes down to a but little bit of, like, yeah. 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 listen to your favorite dance. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Do it um, Wait, just finish it. this conversation then go And then do it. Yeah. Um, but the scarcity mindset of just, like, uh, I don't know, there's like this weird, like, you know, my trauma is more important than everybody else's trauma. And also, if I'm not being centered, I'm not being right. heard. And if I'm not being heard, then brr, brr, brr. And it's like, slow your roll a little bit. It's not that no one's not hearing you. It's that there's just a lot going on right now. <laughs> and so, one, yes. it's like... <laughs> I think, I think too, I think that's the one thing. It's just like, take a deep breath. Okay. Chill out if you can. I know that doesn't help to say that to anybody, but just, Jesus Christ, calm down. Um, and two, and that's also why you need to practice. You need to practice taking mm-hmm. a breath. That's what you need. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the second thing is if we can recognize the source mm-hmm. of this problem, the source of the trauma, it's not each other. Cause like, that's the thing is like, we're projecting onto each other, all of our hurts and pains and feelings. Cause like the pain that that pastor or a former pastor is feeling when he's like, you know, feels like they're getting poked fun at. Like it's one of those things where like the reason I don't feel bad about any of those memes or any sort of like former Christian memes ever is because just like, are, like, is it a lie? No, right. <laughs> and I think that's right. the, that's the moment is to help people get to the point where they can laugh at it. Because that's the thing, like you got to realize, right. you were lied to, to. and if you and can realize that's down. not your fault, don't double down. Um, I think there's this huge opportunity to figure out a Wait, way. Wait, don't make- double down. What do you mean by that? Some people look at those and they double down on who they used to be, or like, oh they, yeah, they, they double down really, on their own fundamentalism. Yeah, they get really grounded in it. Like, look at this guys. This is the slippery slope we were all talking about. You know, like look at these guys thinking they're so great and funny, right? Um, yeah. I think the other thing that I love so much, I was actually talking to the guys from Dirty Rotten Church kids about this. I think we have to laugh before sometimes we can deal with our pain. Maybe that's a Canadian thing, yeah. but we always like poke fun at the most it's, because it gives us distance from it. It gives us an opportunity to go. You have no power over me because I can laugh at it. So I think it's important that we laugh. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like, yeah, that, that runs deep, right? It gives you distance. It like puts things in perspective. There's that old trope of the jester is the only one that can tell the truth to the king. Right. You know, there's. Right. Oh, yes. Yes. Like you can, the truth in jest, like all of those types of archetypes or sayings, like it, Mm -hmm. it speaks to a real experience. Uh, Like 
Um, that's why comedy is so important to some people because so a lot of times, yeah, there's broy comics and stuff that want to be shock jocks with a mic, but there are also people that are saying really insightful things and they're using comedy to do it. Like, yeah. I mean, they sort of, even just thinking of like the catharsis that some people felt from watching like the Bo Burnham special that mm-hmm. is on. I Netflix. need to watch that. I have had so many people mention that to me. I was even thinking about like Ted Lasso, which is like somewhat comedic, but it is so, if you look at, I mean, that is a profound yeah. conversation about mm-hmm. what does it mean to be friends? What does it mm-hmm. mean to be part of a system? What does it mean to, I mean, the boss being mean because they have to have, they have all these things on them and they're, they have a past and they have a story. And I think that's the part that I, I wonder with, and I feel this like almost invitation in my, my next bit of work, you know, people ask like, are you going to take Rev in front of your name off? And the truth is, is like, no, uh, for right now, what I can say is that like my denomination continues to just support my work as work outside of the church. Um, and to see all of it as integrated and to see all of it as a part of it. And so I'm still a rev. And what I hope is that your experience of me is going to change your understanding of what a pastor is and can be. Um, and Mm -hmm. we're doing it together because your experience and how I'm experiencing you is helping heal my wounds where I thought I had to be everything to all people. I mean, guys, I have horror stories of having surgery and having people text me because there's an infighting happening in the church. And my God, I couldn't be a human that was having issues with my, like, it was just the worst experience where I dehumanized myself and you Mm -hmm. were dehumanizing me. And so how each experience we have with people is a healing, is a healing experience, is a moment or a chance for healing. Right. And so I just think that there's so much that we have an opportunity to do and we have to laugh to get there sometimes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Kevin, you look like you had a comment. Mm-mm. No. All right. Ah! I've got it. I've got a... That is a, that is a thinking Kevin look though. So you got it. You nailed okay. it. I've got a question. I, I've, I've got a question for you, Kevin, to question. Tell yes. me what you're thinking about me. <laughs> So you're actually, I, when I when I think about your work, like you are sort of, uh, your work is, I, I'm trying to, what's that really corny sort of marketing speak of like digital native, you know, like a lot yes. of your work uh, has like, yeah, has been built on the sort of platforms uh, that people, the only sort of platforms that people have had over the last year, when we've mm-hmm. all been year and a half. When, Aside from your amazing like tour that you did across the country recently, um, after you know for that window when it felt like it was okay to be back outside again, yeah. <laughs> and then we said, "Let's stop. <laughs> Let's not do it anymore." <laughs> oh, oh, right. There's all those people that still haven't gotten vaccinated for some goddamn reason. Um, yeah, I will say the thing is, is that anybody who comes to my events, all of them are typically vaccinated, and so even like at this past event. Uh, in Minneapolis, I ask people to wear masks just to, like, you know, comply with CDC uh, mm-hmm. recommendations right now. But, like, everybody's yeah. vaxxed. So, like, yeah. anyways. Yeah. I'm not going to complain about that right now. <laughs> no. No, that was my brief little uh, tangent of airing of grievances. Um, anyways, my my overall question is just, like, you've, you've, you've um, you know, found a a way to establish a living providing these services. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of it, you, you use your, you use the, the term digital pastor. And like you mentioned in the other show that that's sort of digital, digital, the way to build, your, build your cult. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you, <laughs> but it, they are, and those platforms are integral to mm-hmm. your work too. Right. right. Um, so like, how do you, how do you see that continuing to evolve and, and um, cause I, I just feel like amongst all the things we're talking about, like the, the single job of a pastor being way too many hats for one person, mm-hmm. coach and therapist doing two distinct things. It seems like the sort of opportunity where, well, there's all mm-hmm. these digital tools where people can make their stuff available. Um, it seems like that could accelerate those types of changes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so where do you see things going? 
right now I see myself continuing to work. Like I love working one-to-one and working in small groups with people because I find it to be, I love seeing people transform. I love seeing the light bulb moments where people are just, they're just completely in love with, you know, they find they're, they're finally learning to, okay, tip. I, I'm going to go put her outside real quick. I go outside. <laughs> if you're driving me fucking nuts right now, go. Again, I'm trying not to ask me. Kevin a deep question. <laughs> How do I see this shit evolving? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I love working one-to-one with people. I love working in groups. And I, it's one of those things where I want to try and get the ideas and practices that I have into the hands of as many people as possible in as short amount of time as possible because they work. And I don't mean to sound cocky, but like the amount of people I've been able to work with in the past two years, like, you know, I mean, I've only been coaching really for like two years now and I've already worked with close to like 90 clients. Mm. Um, and that's phenomenal. Like to me, like, um, but what I see it involving, I think is like, really like, I really am interested in like, what would it be like to start creating spiritual communities based around practice and teaching people Mm -hmm. how to do this. Um, And also creating like new kinds of like spiritual gatherings. So just like, yeah, Yeah. we'll get together on a Saturday instead of a Sunday, or we'll get together on the full moon and on the new moon, because that just feels nice and, you know, in line with the seasons. Or maybe Mm -hmm. we'll do like the new, like, you know, we'll do once a month and high holy days. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just like, I I feel like there's so many opportunities for like figuring out like, what do people actually want and need? Because like, if anything, the COVID showed me, it showed me the Sunday morning service is non-essential. It's a non-essential service, Hmm. you know? And so, so, yeah. And so my question is like, what is essential? You think a Sunday service is a non-essential service? Yes. Just for it, just for itself. Yeah. I would say that by and large, the Sunday morning service uh, does not do what it claims to do. Um, Or because, and again, there's exceptions to every rule. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say my church is an exception to that rule. Like I will flat out say that like I I live in the contradiction of my statement. By and large. Like what we do and on my church is essential because you know why? Like it's for some people, you know, it's the only place where they're going to get a meal that week. Right. You know, for some other people, it is like the, the only place where they felt a spiritual home. But for all these other evangelical megachurches out here, their lives were largely unaffected. Mm. You know? Yeah. That's and a really good point. Those, they just had those ties on, on auto yeah. draft or whatever and they were fine. Yeah. And so yeah, it's... There's something to be said about having I, one of the reasons I value um, Sunday gathering or any gathering or the gathering that like Kevin's talking about is that it's not always self-selecting. So we get an opportunity to be around people that we didn't choose to be around. And mm. in this world, that's been really rare. Um, and I know there's like problematic things about that, but I think about like Twitter algorithms or um, Instagram algorithms or even like the news that we get, everything seems to be algorithm based where I get to decide that I'm only going to be around people who think and feel and are the same age, thought process as me, political party, whatever it might be. And when you talk about that Sunday service, when you say that to me, the Sunday service that you're describing is the one that I've been, I've sat through, Mm -hmm. I've gone to where everyone in the room is the same. Um, Mm -hmm. and you're right. It's not essential. It doesn't move you. It doesn't. Yeah. Form you. Yeah. Cause like, cause like my, cause cause my theory is, and I hope that like what I'm interested in finding is just like, can we create alternative spiritual communities that are outside of this, this system? Yeah. So how do you, so I I think, you know, there, there have been, it feels like there have been historical attempts at that, right? Like the Unitarian church to me sort of seems like 
I've been mm-hmm. to one or two services and it tries to like hold space for lots of different beliefs. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious like how, you know, all of us in this conversation mm-hmm. have uh, whatever degree of experience within within things like the the white American church or the white evangelical church, um, what that looks like for a sort of diverse group, like even the people that like are post-Christian, ex-Christian, former mm. Christian, ex-evangelical, deconstructed, you know, however they identify themselves, they have a wide array of mm-hmm. spiritual beliefs. They might be done with that. Like I have friends that are like, I have no need or desire or, or pull towards mm-hmm. spirituality. Like, like Great. if it's, if it's practices, like, uh, or mm-hmm. services, like, um, I am curious how both of you sort of, Im- uh, imagine those communities that, that hold all that space that, because we came from a place mm. that demanded, demanded that like unified belief stuff. Yeah. Know? And that's why I think that belief is, is not an important question. And so I like the, and like, if I just, if we put that up front, it does not matter what you believe. It matters mm. how you feel. And I want you to feel good in this space. And if you don't feel good in this space, um, ask yourself why. Is it something that we're doing? And mm-hmm. can we rectify it? Or are you experiencing a trigger? Are you experiencing something from your past right now? And if it's coming up, would you like to heal it? And that's what I, that's my thing is like, I am very interested in getting, past, like, and the, the thing is just like gathering in spiritual community specifically to do things like meditation like and this is how i'll just say answer the question in my ideal spiritual community there's an interesting music that's not congregational but you just Mm. experience it there is meditation there is talking to one another and there's a sharing of a meal that Mm -hmm. to me is good spiritual practice then also figuring out what people need and then getting those needs met Mm. that's it i i mean i would say that for me, I think I really value congregational practices together. Um, mm-hmm. When we talk about like a liturgy or the work of the people, like singing together is formational um, for me. Um, I think about even as I'm going through tough times now, there are songs that pop in my head that are really important to me. And I want to continue um, sharing those um, or feeling, uh, you know, or offering those to people. So there's that. Mm. Um, I also think, and and I want, one of the things I've had a really tough time with, and I've been spending some time just in my own head and heart thinking through is like, I wonder when we self-select communities so much, um, are there spaces and places where you are gathering with people who do make you uncomfortable? Because mm-hmm. well, can one I of also the ask things a question real quick, Sarah? Oh, hold on. Let me, can I finish real quick? Sure. One of the things I think was really important was you ask people to consider why they're uncomfortable. Instead of just, mm-hmm. are you uncomfortable? Leave. You're, you're safe to leave. It's if we can get to that heart of why that person mm-hmm. is making me uncomfortable, I think there's a real potential for change if change needs to happen or just even some healing, right? Like if I'm around a thing that if I'm willing to ask the questions. And I think mm-hmm. one of the things that is really valuable in these sort of spaces is learning to ask, not just like ask ourselves questions and then trust our mm-hmm. answers that come up within us to, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Sorry, Kevin. Kevin, I know you I, have something to say. And then I, I, I like mm-hmm. what you said too. I'll mention something yeah. after you're done, Kevin. I'm wondering, like there, there's an assumption that, well, you, you can, like, it's like, I don't want to be in a space where just like, it's like, uh, fully self-selected um and i'm wondering like because i've been in spaces that are primarily queer spaces that are focused on community care that are focused on diversity that are focused on making sure everybody is and like while they're queer like the, you know but when i think of like that space like you know a queer space in and of itself is unable to be exclusive. It's unable to keep yeah. people out. 
And so when I'm thinking about these spaces and saying like, I want to do things differently, it's not because I'm trying to exclude people. It's because that there is the, the spaces for those people already exist. And I'm not interested yes, in those, yes. that which already exists. Mm-hmm. I'm yes, interested because yes, yes. like for you being able to walk into those to, into a church and to connect with that music is brilliant, beautiful, wonderful. And I'm never going to jive that way ever again, probably. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I think that, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a both. I feel uh, like yeah. that's like a really important thing. It's like it's a, it's a both end. And by self-selecting, I don't mean yeah. Like I, I think I know yeah. what you mean. So, um, Sarah, on that on that note, I'm reading this. I'm reading this. This like philosophy book that's called technology and the virtues and like basically um basically the um the philosopher shannon valor is her name um is basically is writing this book and the over the driving um premise of the book is that technology is is accelerating the change in our society at such a rate that we need to we need to adapt um her her thesis is we we have to take what we can from existing virtue ethics and apply it to what she calls it like techno techno moral virtue, and one of the examples she gives um, it, throughout one of her books uh, through throughout the the book is um, this example from a Facebook ad from like the early 2010s where this teenager uh, is at a dinner. And instead of engaging with people and learning how to deal with friction, she just sits on her phone and texts to people that she agrees with. So I think I understand what you mean, like, as far as, um, you know, self-selecting community and things like that. And part of my own, part of my healing and sort of our our family's healing from, like, leaving our last evangelical church um, was attending an Episcopal church and um, the pastor there, like it was a combination of things. Like it was the, the pastor there, pastor Deborah, um, was an amazing leader an amazing, uh, amazing person. And like the best like pastor I'd ever had the privilege of having. And, um, and also like the Episcopal church being s- sort of built around ritual and like going mm. back to practice, like, mm-hmm. um, practice and a lot of a lot of times is even if your beliefs change Thich Nhat Hanh has a saying that like your beliefs yeah. will change and they're supposed to they it's should the yeah you should question it when it doesn't your your practices are what form you though so the things mm. you continue to do it's not magic it's math it's just you know <laughs> that's it in. that's it it's literally i tell this my favorite thing to say all the time is five minutes a day can change your fucking life if you just spend five minutes a day giving yourself to yourself yeah like if so, you spend five minutes a day just breathing so like, like and i i I'd, i just wonder if, if part of part of the change that we're seeing is like an acknowledgement um that even spiritual community can can have a like a transience to it and that that mm-hmm. that that in and of itself isn't necessarily a bad yeah. thing but sometimes you just grow in a different you graduate direction. like i think about it this way some people are just i'm just like you met jesus and then you got what you needed and now you're on to your next teacher like yeah. for me i haven't learned all i need so i stick I, but also just like i've got multiple teachers though like that's the assumption is that like Right. You don't have to stick with one guru, you know? I also think mm-hmm. it's really important, too, as we talk about people's um, trauma being activated um, in community. You know, when I said you should be in a, a community you didn't self-select, I think there is a season where you absolutely need to be in a community where you've self-selected oh, because definitely. you are not mm-hmm. going to be able to be cared for in the way that you need to be cared for. So I just want to be mm-hmm. really honest and mm-hmm. clear about that. And I think in some ways, like, uh, actually – had a great conversation the other day with Brad about like this idea of um, like we've taught that love means forever and it was going to look this certain way. And this is what Mm -hmm. it is. And then we beat ourselves to fitting into that church community. Once you belong to a church, you're learning how to belong. You stick in that church. Mm -hmm. Well, most of us move Mm -hmm. so much, just even like 
states or whatever. I mean, I live in Oregon right now for like whatever yeah. reason. Um, my airstream. But I, I think there's what if we could, and I know this word gets used a lot, like normalize this was a season. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Love so, without ownership. Right. And yeah, that can just... be related to a community. And in it, I and a lot of virtual war stuff of like thinking, like transcending and including, like, thank you for what you yeah. gave me. And I, you know, Kevin, even when we talked earlier about the movie, um, this idea, um, which was pray away, uh, this idea that you are now at a place where you can say that was terrible, but I'm in a place that's healthy enough that I can even view this and like re-engage mm-hmm. this stuff. I think it's kind of knowing ourselves well enough to know whether or not mm-hmm. being in a space is helpful to us and that it pushes us. Yeah, And that's a deep knowing, mm-hmm. right? It's a deep yeah. knowing yeah. of exactly yeah. what you're talking well, about of the question. I would even yourself. say it's not even a deep knowing. It's actually yeah. quite a surface level knowing because okay, if, you yeah. can, if on the no, surface, we've been just taught like, not to even acknowledge that the surface right. exists. Right. Right. Even the surface. Very good. Very good. Yeah, right. Because my surface level reaction tells me everything that I need to know about how I can interact with something. Right. Because so if, for example, if I see one of my old pastors in public and I'm instantly filled with anger, and I have to run away from that person. That shows me I'm not ready to engage. But then, like you, you know, what fast do you always forward, say? I love it. It's data. <laughs> just it's data. data to respond to. Everything yeah. is just data. It doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. It doesn't mean that I'm weak. It means no. that I've got trauma. <laughs> and everybody's and means, got it. And you and yeah. Like, and then I, fast I, forward yeah. three years, you run into that same pastor in the public's parking lot. You look at him and you say, "I haven't fucking thought about you in years." And right. there, let me tell you, you know, guys. And that that surface level woo. response tells you everything you need to know. That means, oh, and you know, it's not magic; it's math. <laughs> That's my new thing. Ooh, I'm gonna steal that. I'm gonna um, give just, that to a lot of people. You've been trying to show us a picture for like five seconds. No, no, no. So, anyways, I've been thinking. So, I think about this. So, I I love this this guy. He's a media. He's like invented the field of media studies. Marshall McLuhan. And any, anyways, uh, he has this really inventive book, um, but there's this particular image of uh, looking in the rearview mirror and seeing like a horse and buggy, uh-huh. and it, it, the text that goes with it says, um, "The past went that away. When faced with a totally new situation, we tend to always attach ourselves to the objects, to the flavor of the most recent past." We look at the past through a rear view mirror. We march backwards into the future. And um, I we think about that sometimes. When... Backwards into the future. Don't just let that, that, that can. <laughs> and so to me, like, uh, to me, that's like, that's the sort of uh, thinking that, um, that folks like the two of you are, are challenging, you know, and, and the sorts of institutions that have held power in this country for a long time and are desperately clinging to it, even though um, they're not executing their power wisely. They're not Mm. uh, helping their people that they should be serving all of those things. um, It's because that's why there are these people clamoring online and, and like in the pews and in the streets and everywhere else is because, because we, we can all see it, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and we're trying to affect change. So and it's so loud. I mean, we we talk about the like reaction people have. My mom taught me, and I think it's from Shakespeare. Methinks thou dost protest too much. Um, she used to say it to mm-hmm. us when we would like say that we didn't like when I would be like, I don't like that boy, and she'd be like, Really? Because you haven't stopped talking about him for the last. He's the worst. And she'd be like, Interesting, you know. But I think <laughs> the people who are loudest and having the toughest time with this transition transition, you know, like the the pastors who have to like have a sermon on deconstructionism and they're like oh this is why it's bad those are the people and even make it an so... ism I mean yeah. it's just like okay. are we in, we're in ism <laughs> wait we have an ism now I've seen exvangelicalism uh-huh. and I'm like who said that who put the ism afterwards first of all I have always known that some sort of disorder would have my name so it feels right <laughs> um, but I think there's this like sense that you're they're so what the thing I want to say to people is when they are yelling so loud or they're, they're so afraid of loss. They're so afraid yes. that they have put 
all of their everything, their student loans, everything you could imagine. They have moved their family across the country. They have come to the promised land. They have done all of this stuff. And Orange they are County. So, you were supposed to sell everyone everything. Everyone moves to Orange County, guys. I love it. It's like, I just saw a video where this guy's like moving from Idaho to Orange County. I'm like, we have enough pastors here, dude. Like, the, the California is the promised land. There's a revival right. on it's the dark. way. Go well, west, we are coming. young man, young it's, colonizer. It's, yeah. I actually right. have a friend of mine. Well, friend is a loose term. It's like a friend of a friend who literally his sole purpose in living in L.A. is to be an influencer for Christ because it's so dark. I'm right. So influencer. I'm and the thing about it is influencer. That. Is that L.A. does it, what y'all get like what? Four, four days of rain a year? Like four days of rain ever? Here's the Here's it's only raining in California like, four times. That's a fact. It's true. Uh, when things are crumbling, when it is so scary, and and we have to recognize that some people are clinging to a thing and yelling really loudly, and they're the ones who in the back room are saying to me, "What if it's all wrong?" And I gave my favorite, day. my favorite thing to do is just like as I tell people, I'm just like, the gag is. That you're 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 wrong. You're right. The thing is, like, if you think that, what if? It is. That means in some universe it already exists. Yeah, it's that. And, like this and sun, then guess what? That universe is this universe. Yeah. Ugh, that's the thing. It's like it's this universe, uh, and you did give your like you did pledge your life to a false idol, and you did give your life to a false god, and you are going to lose your life in order to find it. Oh, stop oh man, it. we brought that it back to church. <laughs> that's exact this is exactly what jesus is talking about listen if you and what does it mean to follow the christ it means to follow after that which is going to make me into my fullest and truest self right right yes. and so if to lose my life for the sake of christ is to lose my life what i think is my life my small life my ego life my career all that shit it's, it's small potatoes compared to being free mm-hmm. yeah yeah. And also, Sarah, I want you to take all those fucking words that you said, and I want you to apply them to yourself every damn day when you feel a little bit. Ugh. I know. I, it's been because <laughs> that I means like-, like that means that all these words, like the best words and the, the, I take this for everybody listening. The truest words you're ever going to hear are the words that you speak to yourself. Everything me and Sarah are saying here, everything Blake has already said, anytime you hear an inspirational thing on the internet or on a meme, you already know it. You're returning home. Yes. You're just waking up to something that you have already, mm -hmm. you're just Mm -hmm. returning back to what you already understand. You've always understood. It feels so good because it's familiar. I think about like Morgan Mm. Harper Nicole stuff. It always feels like she is reading my journal, right? Like Mm -hmm. she's reading my journal. She's saying the thing I need to say or need to hear. But it's also yeah, sometimes, to say. Right. But, I think I think that that, you know, sometimes someone else says the brave thing that you need to hear so that later you can say the brave thing that someone else needs to hear. I wanna see you be brave. <laughs> <laughs> say what you wanna say. You know, I I think I feel like we I, I do this is the closest I've felt to like actually you know, going to the serious corner of the party in like two years. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, us. Like that's how it. That's you didn't how it, see that coming. You did not I mean, see that we would be the team no, that brought you there. <laughs> I. I mean, no, but it was great. Like we just, we just let it happen, and and that's that's what a party's like. So and m- much like I'm, every party, by sitting in the same place, I've somehow lost both of my weed vapes, even though I have not moved. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm starting to sweat a little. <laughs> That's how you know the party's over. I'm like, all right, fuck it. I've lost right. my shit. I'm... And then I go find well, your purse. I'm really <laughs> thankful for this conversation. Parties. Oh, I'm so yes, grateful I, for this. It uh, was a treat. It was a dream. So where uh, I, I, where can people find your favorite answer? Uh, where, just plug all the things. Where, where can people find Sarah, you, you start first. Sure. Your favorite answer is Thursdays, um, and it's 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 o'clock Eastern Time. The rest of you in the middle of the country, you guys are way better at math than us, so you'll figure it out. Um, Mm. And we go live on Kevin's YouTube is one Mm -hmm. way, and Kevin's Facebook 
Um, and if you're on Instagram, you can find myself at, at Rev Sarah Heath and everything that I've done. My books are on Amazon. Uh, I also have another podcast that we are, we just finished season three called Making Spaces Podcast. Um, and it's a podcast. You can also go listen to Sarah's other podcast called Sonderlust season one. So you can get ready for the eventual return of season two of Sonderlust season two Electric Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo is what you want to call it. <laughs> You just can't, you can't just make fetch happen. Um, so. <laughs> and that's shade. <laughs> God, you have a Kevin, good voice. Um, you can you? follow me across the internet at the Kevin Garcia. Um, my book is called Bad Theology Kills, Undoing Toxic Belief and Reclaiming Your Spiritual Authority, available on uh, thekevingarcia.com or at badtheologykills.com. Um, I've got e-courses, like things like the Big Queer Bible Study, um, the Spiritual Reformation Self-Study. So like if you've got some shit that you want to get together, go over to my website. It's got a lot of fun things. Um, I'm available for coaching. I am finishing up the summer coven. My first coven that I ran this summer was very fun. And we're gearing up for probably a fall coven. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And if you want to, if you're in the Atlanta area, please come to Wonder Fully Made on August 27th in Atlanta, Georgia. You can go to thekevingarcia.com slash tour. Uh, if you're yeah, in so- Chicago and have something uh, that maybe Kevin could talk to you about, uh, maybe we could put together a Chicago area show. Um, I want to put together a <laughs> Chicago area show. My my The reason I came home early. No, I, or, I totally. <laughs> it's just like I was way too ambitious. And you I'm did okay so much. That. I mean, you, okay with that. you put together a lot of awesome shows. It was really we cool had so to watch. Much fun. And it was awesome. Um, and Sarah got to do a couple of them. Yeah, it was just great to watch. Yeah. So I would say that is my everything, you know? And I'd also like to promote everybody to go take a nap. Yes, and Irreverent Media Group, which is how we get to know each other. Guys. It, the best thing about us all working together is just getting to know each other more and more and be on each other's things and get to do like this. This was such a fun show to do. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks yeah. Check us. out irreverent.fm, irreverent underscore FM on social everywhere. Um, there's a lot of really wonderful shows and there's going to be a lot of the hosts over at wild goose uh, next month. So yeah, check that out. Kevin, yeah, Sarah, Kevin thank and you I so keep- much for coming on Exvangelical tonight. Oh, it was so good. Uh, I don't the know what I'm seas. looking at. We're we're looking at something on Kevin's screen. It says I'm, the chicken seas. I'm I'm too I'm too drunk chicken and stoned to sea. be here anymore, you guys. Chicken of the sea.